Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You must listen to this election shock therapy. It's a mandate. I'm Chris Moore. Welcome, everybody. Here to talk about late breaking news from American politics is my friend from the University of South Carolina, Aiken, Mitchell Crum. Hi, Mitch. How you doing? Hey, all right. And joining me here from Bethel, uh, Andy Bramson. Hey. And Matt Kukum. Hello. How are you going to enforce that mandate, Chris? <laughs> I'm going to enforce that mandate with the sheer power of charisma and will. All right. Love it. Um, Have fun with that. Hey, so... Um, Chances are, if you've stayed this long in the introduction, you've committed to listening to this short, uh, quick-hit election shock therapy, which we're choosing to use to explain exactly what the Biden administration is attempting to do uh, by mandating that a significant number of Americans get vaccinated or uh, get uh, regular testing as part of their uh, ability to continue working for a certain size of business. So I'm going to take just a quick minute here, guys, and explain exactly what the administration has laid out. I can go into a little bit more detail upon request. And then I'd love to hear what you all think is the likelihood that this sticks, that there are what the political ramifications of this are, and why this happened the way it did. So late last week, the Biden administration announced uh, essentially a series of rules, a series of executive rules that would be coming by executive order uh, from the White House, which would lead to some additional number of American workers being required to be vaccinated. Uh, the first rule affects 4 million, roughly, federal employees and workers who are working on government contracts. Uh, this would basically say if you're receiving money on a contract or if you're employed by the federal uh, government, you must get vaccinated. And if I can, if I can, or get tested weekly. Um, and I'm sorry, no, let me, let me rephrase that. To, to get vaccinated, there is no get tested weekly for those 4 million workers. They just have to get uh, vaccinated. Right. I will mention for all of these rules, there are uh, religious exemptions and health exemptions. So for the limited number of people that have a religious objection to vaccines or um, or can't get them because of allergic reactions or those sorts of things, they're not going to you know make them get them. Right. Um, the bigger rule is that the Labor Department's Occupational Safe and Healthy Administration, commonly known as OSHA, will issue a rule... Uh, that will require anybody who employs more than 100 employees to have their workers either get vaccinated or get tested weekly. And this would affect some 80 million private sector workers. And um, additionally, um, anybody who's receiving uh, money reimbursements from Medicare or Medicaid, which would include hospitals, um, home health care agencies, ambulatory surgical settings, which would hit about 17 million healthcare workers would also all be required to be vaccinated. So um, all uh, this would all take place in about 75 days, but I can't imagine this is, uh, um, this is going to be just flying through because the Republican national committee has already announced that they intend to sue several state governors have have already announced their ability to, or their intention to, to sue to prevent this rule from taking effect. So gentlemen, 
talk to me about um, whether you think lawsuits have merit in this case, whether this rule is likely to stand. Will we see um, 100 million Americans be required uh, to get a vaccine by the federal government? Well, I, I think we need to back up first and talk about how the um, how this would be enforced um, sure. and sort of the jurisdiction of OSHA to do this. Um, I'm not sure the Republican National Committee would have any standing to sue, right? Because they they're right. not necessarily going to experience any harm here, so they can make right. noises about it. They can file, you know, an amicus brief, and they probably will. Um, but let's back up. So, so OSHA is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, um, and like all agencies. Um, they were required by law to use a notice and comment process. So whenever um, a president even issues an executive order to basically have a executive agency sort of implement some sort of rule, there's a normal sort of process by which the rule is published and there's a chance for public comment. Yep. Um, this, is, this is required by law. And basically the point of this is to help the government develop what's called rational standards. Um, standards that are most likely to be upheld in the end um, by courts um, should there be a lawsuit. And just to make sure that the standards are well written, that they make sense, um, that they um, they fulfill some sort of, um, you know, government interest um, that they're uh, narrowly tailored to fulfill that interest. Um, so this is a process and it takes time. Um, you know, the notice and, and, you know, the notice requirement, I mean, it usually has to be public for like 60 days, but the whole process can take a very long time. Of course, the Biden administration um, wants this to go into effect very quickly. And so another procedure that can be used is some sort of procedure that's under like an emergency power. And this is going to be different depending on the agency. So, so OSHA has a second method of adopting rules, um, what's called an emergency testing standard. Um, which avoids the comment period entirely. Now, in order to use this emergency power, the emergency testing standard, ETS, um, OSHA has to determine um, whether workers, because this pertains to workers, employees are in grave danger and that the emergency standard they are proposing is, is necessary to protect them. Um, so it's very vague um, and it can be interpreted different ways. Now, courts typically apply a tougher standard of scrutiny for OSHA emergency decrees, right, for these ETS, uh -huh. right, because it doesn't go under the sort of the standard review. It's done under, you know, because there's an emergency, um, there's something that needs to be ad addressed quickly. And so it better be really darn important. So the court mm -hmm. has a higher standard of scrutiny for these emergency decrees. Now, it turns out that um, that back in the summer, um, the Congressional Research Service um, basically said that um, that these ETS, you know, the, these emergency testing procedures um, basically had in the past been often sort of struck down by the courts yeah. um, for being overly broad. And actually over the summer, um, OSHA uh, basically had nine ETS, ETSs, um, six of them um, went to courts and five of those were struck down. Only one was fully upheld. Um, so the courts basically are routinely strike down um, OSHA's emergency decrees uh -huh. um, for being overly broad, um, even under OSHA's relatively broad set of powers that it has been authorized to use by Congress. Um, so, so all it is to say is that what we have here um, is, a, is a mandate that uses a very, very, very generous reading of 
the statute that sets up OSHA and grants it authority. And it's not even clear that um, OSHA is within its own jurisdiction, um, it is, is basically using its power it, within its own jurisdiction correctly. So I see this as, as possibly being struck down by the courts in the end. Um, there's other constitutional issues as well, which we could delve into, um, but, but I'll leave it at that for now. I, I think it's up in the air as to what, what's going to happen. I think it could very well be struck down in the courts, but we'll see. Mitch, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I, I think I think I think Matt's probably right. I think there's there. It's very uncertain as to whether this is gonna whether this is gonna last. Um, I do think. I mean, in terms of the federal government mandates and things like that, uh, those will probably stand. Um, you know that 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 you know Biden yeah. basically yeah, has yeah. the authority to 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 order all of those yeah. employees and contractors right. um, to be vaccinated. So that will almost certainly go through. So the, the big question is, you know, which is what Matt's talking right. about is the is the OSHA standard basically for everybody else, everybody who's not a government employee. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the I guess I guess the other question that Matt is probably alluding to here, and I think this is the this is probably the other big sort of elephant in the room, which is the question of federalism. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, the question on the one hand is, you know, this is basically the first time the federal government has attempted to mandate, um, you know, sort of a nation nationwide vaccine. Um, You know, it it bears noting, right, that there have been a lot of vaccine mandates throughout American history. Um, And in fact, you know, there's very few, you know, for most jobs, most schools, things like that, you have to have, you know, a whole raft of, of vaccinations right um and that those are all mandated by various at various things but the key is they're mandated either by the schools themselves or by state agencies right. or sometimes even by local um, uh-huh. government agencies so they're not mandated by the federal government and so that's the real question is 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 the federal government actually going to be able to um maintain this are they going to be able to say that this is this is in their within their authority right yeah I mean, you saw a similar situation um, back with the eviction moratorium um, with the CDC, right? So there's there's this law, a, a statute set up by Congress that gives you know the CDC sort of broad discretion, um, and basically the CDC took that and took it to mean we can do whatever we want, basically, including um, basically preventing landlords from evicting uh, tenants, you know, during a certain time period, um, and basically the Supreme Court said. No, you can't. Um, a similar sort of situation here. And and I think now that we are moving out of sort of the sort of emergency phase of the pandemic in which the Supreme Court has basically um, given a lot of discretion to the federal government and even to state governments to implement um, to implement policies um, to deal with the pandemic. Now that we're sort of moving away from that, um, basically, there is less and less latitude for the government to even the federal government to use those sort of broad powers. So the government's at its greatest power and is going to receive the, the least amount of scrutiny in the most dire of circumstances. But as things return to, more, to normal, the court is going to increasingly be applying sort of normal levels of scrutiny. And I, I'm guessing that's that's the direction that we're gonna we're gonna move in here, but I guess we'll see, have to see what happens. So, Andy, you um, one of the reasons I suspect that we got this mandate order from the government now is we have a Pfizer vaccine, which has finally been fully approved by right. the FDA. Right. Uh, it's not for emergency use, but is, but is for general use. And the Moderna vaccine might be coming in a similar way fairly soon. Most likely. Yep. Is, would this have been a different circumstance if we had gotten much earlier approval of Pfizer and we were, say, back in 
April, May, June that the Biden administration had ordered a vaccine mandate? Is this probably a problem of time? So you're asking, like, would they have done it earlier or? Um, is there, there's a lot of political blowback yeah. to this yep. mandate. Would there been would there have been one if Matt, as Matt is mm-hmm. saying, we were culturing the emergency era of COVID? Yeah, I think it would have been more plausible to do it then. I think also, I mean, it's just worth noting that the Biden administration is operating from a weaker position. I mean, when you think about their approval ratings today versus where they were a couple months ago, right? Um, they are now underwater in approval ratings. They were well above water, you know, two months ago. Um, a lot of that's the effect of Afghanistan, right? So I think it is, they are in a weaker spot. And there's also a perception that we are moving past the worst of this pandemic. Um, and so kind of that why now? I think the other question that they have to wrestle with is, I mean, to what extent do you protect people from themselves, right? I mean, because, you know, what we're seeing with the vaccines is that, you know, people who have been vaccinated, I mean, they do get recurring cases and they, in some cases die. But in most cases, if you've been vaccinated, you do okay, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you mostly are surviving. There aren't a ton of cases of people who've been vaccinated who get it and also die. Um, breakthroughs yeah. usually recover. And so what you're really talking about is re- protecting people who have, for various reasons, chosen not to get the vaccine. Um, and that's, uh, you know, it gets to that perennial question. I mean, to what extent does the government protect people um, from their own choices, right? And, you know, we've, we've, we've circled around this a number of times with a number of issues um, in American history. And it feels like we're kind of coming back to that that question again. And Biden's saying, I think I do need to. Um, I think he's going to get challenged in the courts. And as Matt said, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where things get really tricky is because normally sort of the the, the jurisdiction that OSHA has to deal with um, sort of workplace safety, the provision that sort of tapping into, if I'm reading it correctly, because they still have to publish some of this stuff, but if I'm reading right. it correctly, they're basically saying this has to do with sort of the re- the safety regulations surrounding workplace toxins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but th- what's complicated is that, well, people are bringing the toxins in with them, these virus strands, right? right. And people's own decisions about whether to get vaccinated or not have yep. nothing to do with sort of the workplace itself. So, no. so it, so, so the people that are sort of most at risk um, are people that could get the, decide to get the vaccination themselves, but, but have not. And when they come in, the greatest risk that they pose is to themselves, not to the people who have decided to get vaccinated. Um, yeah, so and the CDC just issued, um, published a big study like just today or yesterday, um, which sort of further supports that. So uh-huh. um yeah. So, I mean, I think what this is, this is sort of a classic example of, of, you know, a massive executive overreach, I think at the end of the day um, and whether or not it's going to stick or not, I think is going to come down. This is going to stand or fall based off of how the courts interpret the executive power uh, to interpret the statute um, and whether or not this is an appropriate use of the emergency uh, testing standard. So yeah. one of the things that I just, just to back up just for one second um, is, you know, I, I do think, um, part of part of the vaccines obviously are are protecting people from themselves, but I mean it's also a matter of you know vaccinated people. There are indications that you're much less contagious, and also you're much less likely to actually contract the sure. virus as well. Which uh-huh. also uh-huh. means that if you have the vaccine, you are also like less of a threat to to others, right? Whether they're vaccinated or not. Um, right, sure. And so part of this, and I think part of the justification, I know Biden absolutely like botched his speech. Um, on this. And so he was not particularly clear. This was, you know, not, not his, not his shining rhetorical moment here, but, um, (laughs) but at any rate, 
Um, I'm not sure Biden has ever had a shining rhetorical moment. But there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, 20, the 2016 convention speech when he supported Hillary Clinton was actually pretty good. But uh, well, okay. yeah. He's better when he's not talking about himself and his own things, I think. <laughs> At any rate, all, all that is to say, I think I think probably the strongest justification for this is to say this is this is not just a means of this is not mere sort of like paternalism, like seatbelt laws or something like that. Yeah. Um, this is more like, you know, in some ways it's more like speed limit laws where it's, you know, yes, it protects you, but it also protects, you know, others on the road around you. And so, you know, the vaccine does protect you and that's probably the first level of protection, but it's also protecting your coworkers um, and everybody else, you know, that you're, that you're coming into contact with. Um, and so in that way, you know, it does, it, it, it does present, you know, people who refuse to get vac- vaccinated are presenting, you know, a threat to to those who are around them. You know, they they're they're endangering them to, at least to some degree. Right, so, and, and the question is whether or not the courts are going to see that as a sufficiently compelling right. government interest um, that is addressed by a sufficiently narrow um, um, standard. Um, and I guess that's I, I wouldn't bet either way at this point. Beyond the right. courts, there is another uh, facet before we wrap today, which to think about is even if the Biden administration had a strong suspicion that this might get tied up in courts and might not be implemented quickly, and that the facts on the ground with COVID and the Delta variant might change dramatically by the time this begins to be implemented, there still is the issue of electoral politics. Yep. And m- most Americans at this point, in a vague way at least, endorse a vaccine mandate. So was the de- declaration of this mandate good politics, even if it's bad policy? I, I don't know. I, it, it, yeah. it, maybe people disagree. I mean, the public as a whole favors vaccines and quite a few of them even favor some sort of vaccine mandate. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, everyone's going to kind of go to their camps on this. But I think what I, yeah. I to be super cynical. And I think the Biden administration so far has been had a very cynical, sort of cynical read of the American public, um, such as like on the American public's reactions to Afghanistan, for example, but I, I think they've been sort of right in their cynicism. So, so if I was, you know, thinking sort of purely cynically, I would say like they can bet that most people are going to either approve or sort of shrug about this mandate. The people on the far right will view this as tyrannical and will go berserk and then use that as a reason to not get vaccinated at all. Right. Cause you've already seen sort of, um, government overreach as the reason that some people trot out for not getting vaccinated, which a lot of people in the middle view as silly and as looking unreasonable. So I think his calculation is he comes out looking more reasonable than his opponents are overreacting on the other side. And that helps him. Um, That's my read. I agree with that. If everyone was equally, um, if this issue was equally salient for everybody, right? But right. I actually That's think that question. this makes his opponents more angry yep. than it placates his supporters. Yes. So I, I yep. don't think this is the kind of issue that causes people to say, "Finally, thank goodness, a vaccine mandate. Now I can vote for Democrats in 22." I think right. what it more likely means is that people who were really opposed to this mandate are even more mobilized to show up and vote for Republican candidates in um and especially particularly anti-vaccine candidates um in uh in 22 
So, yeah, I, I agree. I was just trying to get myself in the mindset of because I was really confused. Like, yeah. why did Biden do this? What's the political advantage? I was yeah. trying to sort of put yeah. myself in, in sort of yeah. the mindset of this administration to come up with a rationale. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think agree. it's so, I think it's I think it's overall politically popular, but the effects of the popularity unpopularity are not evenly distributed. Yeah, I'm, I'm deeply skeptical it'll help him much. I mean, like I think because I think that's right. I think it's going to mobilize the opponents more, and it gets to a deeper issue that Americans do get uneasy about. And I'm curious if that comes around in the public opinion, which is we don't like being forced into things, right? I mean, uh, um, even if we agree that people ought to get vaccinated, right? That's a separate mm -hmm. question than should this person be forced to be vaccinated, right? Um, so I don't know. I think that one could. I, I don't think it's going to help him, and I would. I could see it being harmful to him, but we'll see what happens. The one thing I think also, and this, this gets slightly off of the electoral politics track, but I think um, it, part of what this is getting at, this, this entire mandate is getting at is, is in some ways like the institutional pressures um, yep. and the institutional problems that we're seeing in the federal government right now. Yeah. You know, ideally something like this, anything like this, uh, you, you know, whether it's coming from the federal government or states or whatever would happen through legislatures. Like you'd see yep. a legislature sure. passing a law that says X, you know, so if Congress wanted mm -hmm. to pass a law that said, here's a vaccine mandate, here's, you know, how we're going to implement this or whatever, that would be an entirely different matter. But of course, you know, in a, you know, we've discussed it a lot, you know, before I think on this, on this podcast, but, you know, Congress is extremely ineffective and, uh, you know, is basically hamstrung. And I think part of what Biden is probably also thinking about is he doesn't want the federal government to look like it's just sort of doing nothing. Like it's just sort of like, uh -huh. you know, sitting around wringing its hands over vaccine mandates um, right. as the Delta variant, you know, explodes. And so if mm -hmm. nothing else, this gives him cover to be able to say, look, you know, even if it gets struck down, we tried, like, you know, we were doing stuff, we, yeah. we were yeah. working, um, you know, so that, an opponent in 2022 or 2024 can't say, Hey, why weren't you trying to do something when, you know, the Delta variant was going on? He could say, Hey, we did. Um, but you know, the court struck it down or whatever. Right. Like, you know, yeah. right. We tried. Yeah. Yep. We tried. Yeah. Get caught oh, that makes trying. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, his approval rating tracks pretty closely um, through the increase, you know, his approval rating has been steadily declining and that has tracked cl closely with the, the, the increase of the wave of Delta cases. Right. Yep. Um, and I think he has a sense of like, he needs to get a handle on this um, mm -hmm. if he's going to bring his approval numbers back up. And I think he's concerned about yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's right. So one way or another, he's going to try and do that, even if it yep. means a mandate. Yep. All right. Thanks guys. This was helpful. Uh, folks, if you're listening, I hope this was helpful for you as well. If you have questions for us, if there are topics you'd like us to hit in one of these quick 15-minute uh, treatments, do send us an email at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. We'd love for you to engage in the channel overall. Uh, you can reach out to them at channel300 at gmail.com. Lots of great podcasts coming down the pipe here. Aftermath Academics is rounding into its home stretch. Uh, we've always got uh, Tweet Victory and Video Store and lots of other great things coming down the pipe too. Thanks for listening to us. And until we mandate that you're back in our feed, go Royals. Go Royals.